1: I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, Managing Editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. And this is Bloomberg Crypto, a new daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Wednesday, June 8th. Did you know that both Madonna and Justin Bieber own expensive digital images of apes? It's true. Bored apes and other non fungible tokens are a must have celebrity accessory these days. But should you put your trust in movie stars, pop singers or athletes when it comes to crypto? What are some of the legal questions at play with these kinds of celebrity endorsements? Today, I'm joined by Bloomberg reporter Relina Igolfopoulou for a look at what's behind the buzz with celebrities' interests in crypto investments. Misralina, thank you so much for joining us. It is such a delight to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I am going to ask you a bunch of questions about non-fungible tokens, starting from what exactly is an NFT?
0: So the simplest way to describe an NFT would just be to say that it's a digital image uh, that someone can purchase uh, and own on the blockchain. And so there is an address that you own as the owner of the NFT. And it essentially started with images, JPEGs. um, But, you know, it's now something that you can find in the form of of a song Mm -hmm. or
1: an animation. Or really any sort of art, I would say. So an NFT, if I'm I'm hearing you correctly, there's a couple of parts. There is the address and then there is the asset at the end of that address. Is that fair?
0: Yep, that's exactly it.
1: And what... What you've been reporting on is that some of these assets that are largely images, largely illustrations, have been selling for tons of money?
0: Millions. (laughs) Millions. Why? Well, I think it's most easily explained as demand and supply. There is a lot of demand for particular collections of NFTs that were the first sort of collections to launch. And so CryptoPunks is one of them, uh, which is this digitized uh, avatar that you can purchase. Board 8 Yacht Club is another collection that was among the originals. And, you know, a lot of these communities of NFTs sort of always are backed by a lot of hype, right? Mm-hmm. So, the more hype you can create for an NFT collection, the more its value will go up. And that's where we've seen a lot of celebrities play a very crucial role. Because, you know, if Justin Bieber buys a Board 8 Yacht Club, which he did, I think a lot of the community takes that as a stamp of approval, as this le- it legitimizes the collection in some sense. Because if someone as important as Justin Bieber, mm-hmm. to the eyes of so many people, to the followers, to the millions of followers that he has, uh, joins in, then that means this is an asset that's worth something.
1: So it's almost like, you know, a sneaker drop or a supreme drop or somebody else where you're like this, this person who is influential in my life and what I consider to be interesting and what I consider to be valuable. We're seeing that dynamic play out in NFTs. That's exactly it. It's
0: very much the same. I think the problem with NFTs
1: is no one really knows how
0: to define them, right? Like, are they just a picture or are they a security?
1: Security, a financial asset funded by a pool of investors who intend to profit from that assets managers
0: given the fact that they do trade in a market and its price goes up and down based on several factors you know that impact it and so i think that's one thing that's really become a challenge for a lot of regulators but also for celebrities that are jumping in on this what is an nft and if it is a security which it, hasn't been defined in any cases yet by the SEC. But if it is a security because its price goes up and down, you know, does this mean that celebrities who are jumping in on NFTs should be subject to the same rules that they would be if they were promoting, uh, you know, a
1: stock? Right. So you mentioned something that's really important to understand, which is like many other parts of crypto, the regulatory framework is, shall we say, ambiguous at best. But in that context, you know, I don't think, in general, celebrities who are surrounded by PR people and lawyers are the most risk-tolerant people out there, necessarily. Like, they get a lot of guidance on, this is good for your brand, this is bad for your image. Given, you know, some of the shadier parts of crypto, why are so many celebs so comfortable getting involved in these endorsement deals? Yeah,
0: I mean, because no one really checks up on them. I think that's a reason, right? Like, I know you said managers, and I want to bring in the example of Madonna here, right? I mean, Madonna has an agent, and the same agent represents her, but also the the Board 8 Yacht Collection, a parent company. And here she is sort of jumping in and buying one of her own.
1: I think it's really important that people know that a lot of thought and conversation went into creating these videos.
0: And, you know, it really, we're not saying she did anything wrong, but it really does raise that sort of um, conflict of interest. Is Madonna's agent, who's representing both her and the company that she invested in, sort of giving her guidance on the back end that we don't know about? And she really doesn't have to disclose it. Neither does, does he, because, again, the regulation has not caught on. So if... Justin Bieber buys a board at Yacht Club, which he did for $1.5 million. At the time, 500 Ethereum, it's around that now as well. You know, does this mean that he essentially uh, paid it for it himself or did he get the money from somewhere else? And if you look at the wallet transactions that we found that are open in the blockchain, you'll see that there was a really big amount of money that was transferred into his account before he made this purchase. So the money he used to buy this NFT was actually given to him by another NFT collection. And when we asked that NFT collection, their spokesperson to tell us why they were paying Justin Bieber, what they said was because he was a promoter of the NFT collection. It's called the Inbetweeners. And that wasn't really disclosed to anyone before uh, we sort of reported on it. And so I think that's, you know, where a conflict of interest here becomes very crucial because if Justin Bieber is posting this NFT project called Inbetweeners all over his Instagram, all over his Twitter, or making people believe that he believes in the project but is actually being paid on the back end to do so mm-hmm. that should be disclosed but it actually shouldn't because the regulation doesn't Exist require to him require. to do it yeah
1: so when when we talk about wallets you know i find fascinating that crypto exists in this space, both of, as you accurately describe, intense transparency and intense obfuscation at the same time. Because looking at a crypto wallet is like being able to look directly into someone's bank account, at least for crypto. You're like, this is what's going in, this is what's going out. Unbelievable amounts of transparency. What you don't necessarily know is who the people are that are moving money in, into in into a wallet and out of something.
0: They don't even necessarily have to disclose whether they're the actual owners of a wallet or not. So I might think that this wallet is Justin Bieber's wallet because it's called Justin Bieber's (laughs) NFTs. And when I go into it, I can see that, you know, it has a lot of the NFTs that he's been posting about. But is he the one that is actually managing that wallet behind, you know, the computer and is actually doing the transactions? Or is it a team of his Mm -hmm. that is managing his sort of entire portfolio? And so there's no way to know. But what we do know is that they have major influence. And so every time they decide to jump in on one of these projects, it influences the way consumers also decide what to jump in on. And I know when we look at whenever we have intense periods of volatility, like we did when Luna and and Terra crashed, you know, that is also another really big example of a a large community of crypto influencers coming in and telling people, hey, look at this really cool project that you should invest in. A lot of investors got into it. And, you know, After the 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 stablecoin crashed, I think it was a learning lesson for a lot of people. We hope it's
1: a learning lesson. We hope
0: it's a learning lesson for a lot of people that you know. First of all, influencers, celebrities, whoever has power in the crypto community in the form of followers has some responsibility. Um, But also, investors, individual crypto investors who look to these people for uh, tips on what to buy
1: next should just be very cautious. To use the crypto phrase, do your own research. DYR, exactly. <laughs> Back in a moment with Miss Relina and a look at how the company Moonpay is carving out its space within the NFT market.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: There's a company that comes up a lot when celebrities and NFTs are mentioned in the same sentence, and it's Moonpay. Why are they always in the conversation? What's their relationship to this market?
0: Yeah, so I think the easiest way to explain what Moonpay is trying to do is, when it comes to celebrity culture in Hollywood, is to really redefine what royalties mean. And so what MoonPay, which is essentially a platform where you can buy and sell NFTs, is hoping to do is to help celebrities take rid of the middlemen that have often sort of existed between artists and consumers and make sure that any artwork, movie, song that they produce can be directly sold and purchased on a platform without middlemen. And this is where Moonpay sort of comes in and promises Hollywood to change the way it has functioned for, for a really long time. And there is a lot of promise to that. And, you know, there are benefits to considering how artists can take ownership of their own work and really be the ones controlling what it should cost and how it should be sold.
1: And this is a big argument in favor of what folks like to call Web3, right? It is giving creators a much more direct relationship to their ability to monetize their work.
0: Exactly. And here's you know MoonPay, this company that is trying to sort of center itself in the middle of this debate. And so in their recent uh, funding round that they announced, we saw a long list of celebrities come in and say, I will back you. And so a lot of the people that they actually raised money from were artists, producers, Actors, even some athletes in there, uh, musicians, rappers, you have the whole list. When I spoke to the CEO of Moonpay for this story and I asked him, you know, how are you guys making sure that everything that's happening is sort of on par with regulation? They, you know, they don't necessarily have an answer yet. And I think for them, it's also, you know, part of the broader Web3 argument is we don't really want regulation. We we don't really want to be told by the government what to do. And so they don't even really want the government to come in and tell them how to run Uh, These ideas that they have out there.
1: We've talked a lot about consumer protection, but there is a degree to which regulation also protects the creators, right? Because one of the things that's at the very baseline of royalties is the idea of copyright and trademarks and the ability to say, I made this, this is mine, and therefore I should be able to derive value from it. And I find it so fascinating that something that is saying, hey, we'll get creators paid is simultaneously averse to a regulatory framework that could enforce the mechanism to make sure those creators are paid if you know a hundred different copyright um copycats pop up overnight.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean it's 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 crazy to see so much uh sort of power and influence congregate in these companies and all these sort of new ways of doing business popping up. And you see that across the crypto community. Yet again, the regulation isn't there to necessarily guide the way these businesses are being handled and the way these transactions are formed. But again, you know, it's decentralized, right? It's supposed to be um, untouched and sort of left alone to be managed by the community that uh, is a part of it. I think that it's only a matter of time before we see uh, how this is actually going to pan out. And, uh, you know, and I think going back to the Terra Luna meltdown, that is a great example of, of uh, a situation that could prompt more oversight. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that, um, you know, regulators coming in and taking in a closer look at stable coins, And maybe that's what needs to happen in the next sort of celebrity NFT uh, pairing, some sort of ultimate meltdown <laughs> that finally gets people to think about, you know, ways to better manage this.
1: One of the things I find so There's so many things about crypto that you're like, hmm, this directly contradicts what you just said five minutes ago. And so an example of that is these folks who are buying into, you know, Terra and Luna were partly doing it because they're like, this is not like other currencies. It has none of the disadvantages of central banks and et cetera, et cetera. And then when it collapsed, partly because it had none of the advantages of central banks... Various folks who lost money are, you know, sending Twitter messages, etc. to some of those influencers that you mentioned saying, how are you going to help me get my money back? Right. And that the idea of getting your money back is something baked into traditional finance, right? There's deposit insurance. There are ways to make claims. And, you know, the crypto has this sort of have its cake and eat it too vibe sometimes where they only want the best (laughs) of the things and and are unwilling to accept any of the constraints.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that when you invest in something that has the word, you know, stable in it. (laughs) you assume that there is some sort of stability in it. And I think that you know, I don't, I think that's okay. I think that a lot of people go into a lot of these investments, not necessarily understanding the way they function. And hey, I get it. It's not easy. I mean, understanding the way Terra and Luna actually functions is, is quite complicated mm-hmm. for your average investor. I right? mean, even for sophisticated ones. Yeah. I mean, I had to report on this story and just to get to the bottom of like what it actually all is and how it functions, I mean, was a challenge just for us trying to do our jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, uh, going into different investment or asset classes that you don't necessarily understand uh is 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 a very sort of difficult um part of, of investing in crypto and I think that you know you have a lot of these influencers that have remained quiet since the 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 the, the Terra Luna uh, meltdown which I think is you know again something you're gonna have to see uh change eventually because there needs to be you know, repercussions. There's no in,
1: accountability right now.
0: Or accountability for anyone who has openly said, like, hey, this is the coolest project that you should be investing in right now, you you do so. And and then when it all goes, you know, <laughs> down the drain, um, where what is the accountability that these people should be facing and how responsible are they? Um and so I think those are things that investors going into the space should be considering. And going back to NFTs, you know, if your favorite celebrity buys an NFT, um, know that it could go well, but it also
1: couldn't. So one of the things I hear in crypto is there's this kind of difference between like crypto kickstarters, which is a bunch of people get together and they try to buy the constitution. Mm -hmm. And then there is, you know, I remember a story. There's this group of writers Mm -hmm. who are, you know, trying to create an NFT of a novel. Yeah, Jenkins the Valet. Exactly.
0: Jenkins is really cool. That's a great example of an NFT. And so essentially, the easiest way to explain it is these two former writers bought one of the Board 8 Yacht Club um, NFTs, made it into this character called Jenkins. They really thought he looked like a valet because of his accessories, so they named him Jenkins the Valet. And then essentially, they started selling more NFTs that were adjacent to to Jenkins, and whoever bought an NFT um, of that Jenkins collection, sort of based on how much money they spend, became a a writer into a broader Jenkins the Valley book that is meant to come out later on in a few years, I think. And based on how much money they spent would have voting power uh, that would help sort of take the plot of the book in a certain direction. and So you so like
1: choose your own adventure through exactly. NFTs.
0: <laughs> and so here's how, you know, you, are, you your fans are able to sort of purchase something that they think is valuable because it's something you created. They're owners of something that you created and they're able to participate in it in a way that they haven't been able to before, right? And so there's obviously that part of NFTs that's extremely interesting for celebrities and for artists. Mm-hmm which is transforming the way they do business. But I would argue another one is just, you know, the popularity of it. I mean, these are NFTs that are being talked about across the world that are the constant talk of town across social media platforms. And so it's essentially being part of of the cool club, right? And and they want to show that they're on top of Web3. They want to show that they know how the world is evolving. And so this is both, you know, something that not only raises their profile in terms of awareness and in terms of coolness levels, but also it helps them understand the ways that they can do business in the future.
1: Thanks so much, Ms. Relina, for joining us. You can find more of her reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal at Bloomberg.com and on Twitter at Miss Relena. That's M-I-S-Y-R-L-E-N-E. Thanks again for joining us. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, in March 2022, Hackers stole about $600 million from a crypto network. It was one of the biggest exploits to hit the asset class to date and left many investors shaken. Tomorrow, a roundtable discussion with Bloomberg reporter Olga Karif and Bloomberg opinion writer Pami Olson on what these massive hacks might mean for the market. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael, and this is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email your comments, questions, or suggestions to crypto at Bloomberg.net and follow us on Twitter at Crypto. The producer and editor of this episode is Vicky Vergolina. Our engineer is Desta Wonderad. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Bloomberg's head of podcasts is Francesca Levy.